watch out when I'm charging them cheap. I'm making green so fast, they call me Rock Lee. I'm starring this game, may as well be Mario. Your princess is up in my castle. Sorry, bro. I'm solo, assassin, killing it. Beats bad like Eggman, villainous. Hit you real quick with that Hadoken. Hello, everyone. It's me, the angry challenger of the new challengers, sitting here with the illustrious. The wonderful, the marvelous, Dreaded Challenger. What's going on, Dreaded? Hey, what's happening, everybody? Good to be back yeah, you don't in the land anybody. of the digital podcast. Yes, you're here. You're here. You've always been here. You never left. You never left. Never left. We're never all here. Left. We're all, oh, you're right. We're all here because there's somebody here with us because we, we have guests on the show. We have guests on the show. I love it when show. we have guests. On the show today, we have Jane the Message. Hello, Jane. Hi. I made no mistakes earlier. Zero awesome? mistakes ever. Zero mistakes. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very First much. Time. Oh, okay. So we're going to be talking to you today, and it's great to have you on the show. How have you been? It is great to be here. I've been good. I had ankle surgery, so I'm kind of doing the rear window routine, just sticking my leg up, looking at people with binoculars, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they made a movie about that one time. They did. Yeah. yeah, it's about it's my life story. I oh, think Jimmy Stewart plays me. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Out there, Very out there cool. peeping. Out there right. peeping. Oh well, that that's cool. I'm, I'm hopefully there's no complications and you will heal quickly so you can get back to doing <laughs> what you do. And yeah, and I've been doing it with it. I've been hobbling around with uh, crutches doing performances. Excellent, excellent. You know what? That that segs great into. Well, I was going to ask you next. What is it that you do? Uh, so I'm a, I am a rapper and an MC, uh, musician, basically. But I, I do uh, battle rapping and freestyle ciphering as kind of part of my uh, calling card. And I do that in the Bay Area. A lot of the battle rapping I do is kind of roasting style. So it's not so much of the like, I'm going to shoot you. It's a little bit more of uh, just taking cracks at people and trying to make people laugh and not afraid of you. <laughs> so I do that style of that. And I am part of a group that does a monthly open mic cipher, too. So I do some co-hosting and hosting for that. Very, awesome. very cool. Very cool. Outstanding. That open mics outstanding. are very important to the live performance scene out there, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. That's that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Proud to be part of it. We know Dreaded over here also does open mics and he plays in the band as well. So you two can have your musical connection while I just sit here and yeah, take in but all the knowledge. People don't know that the illustrious, talented, angry challenger also is a bit of a master. He's uh, hosted his own ciphers. Oh, He's been yes. part of his own freestyle in the, group himself. In the in the USO, but we're not going to talk about that because Jane is here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not even going to get. We're not even going to touch that topic because I have seen her on the mic. I've heard her. I've been there, and I want no part of that. I want zero instances of that in my life. Well, <laughs> nothing at all. I don't want that. Okay, here on the new Challenger show. We talk about gaming, fighting games, mm-hmm. all these cool mm-hmm. things and how they influence people and the guests we've had on the show. We've had a lot of really cool guests, everything from service members to production guys over on Killer Instinct. Shout out to Keats. And now we have you, musical extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
So, for me, I know a big thing for me growing up is I played a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, Clay Fighter was my first fighting game. Clay Fighter's music. Right on. Did, nah, that wasn't for me. Clay Fighter wasn't. Mm -hmm. No. The music, the game was great. The music itself, but the music that I remember the most growing up was from Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. And I know mm -hmm. that even to this day, I still have that music stuck in my head, sitting just in the sound test, listening to the music while I was in my room, having a great time. And for you, in gaming, and you know, being in the geek nerd community, whatever you want to call it, what are some of the influences mm -hmm. you got from gaming coming up? In so, I mean, so my dad was a computer programmer, so I had some, like, older tech around me since I was, like, a baby. So I, I had a Commodore 64 that I was playing around with when I was, like, two and three and stuff like that. And, like, my dad had me talking to, like, people on Genie, which I don't even know if people know what that is anymore, but, like, I was surrounded sure by... Not. Yeah, it's, that's, it was one of the oldest message boards for, like, people who are just uh, engineers and programmers just talking to each other. I was, like, an infant, you know, sitting around this stuff. So the first things I got exposed to were, like, RPGs when they had text. So text-based RPGs were one of the first things I was messing around with. And then we got, like, you know, different console games and stuff like that. And I used to love going out to arcades. And I was pretty obsessed with fighting games, because especially being, like, a tiny girl... If you can, like, beat people in Tekken, they'll freak out. So there yes. was, like, a, right? Yeah, so that was, like, a little haven. I could go over there and get a line of people trying to beat me and doing all that. Um, and, and it was just, like, it was a good for my imagination because any of these games, when you're inserting yourself into it, you see an entire world that an artist has conceptualized and made into like what you're going to exist in for the next, however many hours you get sucked into it. So I thought that was fascinating. And, and like, I liked adventure games a lot too. So I, I my dad had some older ones. Like I used to play something called Sam and Max. I used to play, um, uh, monkey, monkey Island. I was yes, obsessed yes. with monkey Island. Monkey so like Island. the kind of like, you know, point and click. Oh gosh. He had some like Indiana Jones ones. So I would play a lot of those too. Cause anything that All was like LucasArts games, LucasArts yeah. games. Yeah. Super influenced by that. Anything that kind of dragged you into a world. And one of the things that really stuck with me too. So I, I love fighting games, but there weren't a lot of fighting games with women in it. Whereas it wasn't like, look at this new boob bouncing technology we have. Definitely. And that was like, <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah, exactly. So that, you see that enough, and you, like, even just looking through the little pamphlets they would give you about, like, their frickin' measurements, and I was like, well, that, she would just die if her boobs were that big and her waist was that small. Like, her rib cage would just collapse in on itself. And you're, you know, you're, you're like a young woman, you're looking at this. And I was like, well, there's gotta be, like, a game that isn't sexualized. The best thing I could find, there was a, a mech game where it was all, like, fighting and robot things, and it was all girls, but they just fought in robot things, right? So there's no boobs bouncing. But then if you won, they would give you, like, this, like, weird cheesecake anime thing of her in, like, underwear. And I had to go to my dad and be like, Dad, I swear to God, I, this isn't for a weird reason. I realize what's about to happen after I win the fight. But for the whole duration of the fight, I don't have to see bouncing boobies. They're just fighting in cool mech armor, and they happen to be girls. So can I get the game? He's like, okay, no problem. So that that's, like, that's where I popped into games as a young woman was when representation was a little weird extra weird and in order for me to play a game that i had like people i could identify with i was like having to suffer through like and here's her in her bra <laughs> yeah that that can be a huge problem 
Because, uh, I mean, for me, I'm not a woman, but I can say that for me, uh, black characters in games, you know, it's, mm-hmm. they're, they're just, they're not there. <laughs> they're just not yeah. there. They're not. Yeah. They're uh, not accurate. Playing uh, SMG hey. games, uh, notice in King of Fighters 14, there are no more African-American characters and they removed all of them they replaced them with south american mm-hmm. characters which i appreciate because a lot of south american and central american people play king of fighters but they took out Seth, they took out heavy d they took out lobber they were like nah you don't get these anymore and the running joke in the series is the american sports team which has heavy d and lucky globber they are always removed from the tournament prior to the tournament which is why they're never in it so that's actually in the yeah canon. it's in the canon they it's a funny joke to them. Like, I want him back, though. I want him back. I want to be able to dress up. Bro, I feel you. Bro, I feel you. Also, um, call me when any any fighting game has a Puerto Rican fighter. Just just call me. <laughs> you hear me? Oh, no. You hear me, Harada? Make it happen. Oh, maybe, but anyway. Maybe I, DOA will give you We one. hear you about the representation. They got, uh, they got Diego in the new one coming up. Maybe he's Puerto Rican. Probably we'll not. See. But maybe. No, oh, probably not. Okay, Janie, question for you again. So my musical thing was in Sonic 2, Chemical Plant. And <laughs> that was a song. I was actually listening to, listening to it yesterday while I was in the gym. And that song to me, the beat, the way it sounds, very hip-hop-ish. I, that song still sticks out in my mind today as something that I listen to. Every once in a while, and I enjoy, and I, I download remixes of legally, and I mm-hmm. enjoy it. So for you, which game musically sticks the most out in your mind? This is so easy. Parappa the Rapper? Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. M-I-X the flower into the bowl. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll be driving, I'll be like, check, and turn the signal to the right. And I'm like, <laughs> Wow. Real talk, yeah. ro- romantic love, my favorite. My favorite. Oh, right? Yes. Right? Let's get romantic. Uh, yes, indeed. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Things are all making sense now. <laughs> I had like, I don't know how many hats you could get. I think the top level hat, I want to say it was orange, maybe. And whatever it was, if you kept playing it, I had that. And like, I, I, I owned like all the colors of hats too. Like I bought them just so I could be like, yeah, I really earned these in the game. What's up? Wow. <laughs> On a level with that, that most people just didn't think was necessary. But for me, yeah, I, I love Prepper and like, and all the, I really want to work on just doing like a, a another homie and me. We're really, really into Prepper and, um, we've worked on an EP together. So we're kind of debating like how many songs should we just straight up cover and, bring it to the consciousness because not everybody some people are sleeping on that game like a lot of people know about it but a lot of people don't and i mean one and two obviously but it was brilliant at the time like and it was it was just 100 percent. this is a little chunk of hip-hop culture and it managed to make it into gaming in a way that like was also cute like i'm i'm kind of obsessed with hello kitty not gonna lie and like just that aesthetic so it had a lot of that vibe to it and to me, I was like, oh, it's like, it's just like me. Cause that's how I was as a little kid was I was like really into hip hop, really into anime and like kind of the cuter side of that. Like, yeah, card capture Sakura type of stuff was my thing. And 
yeah, I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's this is game is is how the world should be. That's, yeah. Yes. That. See, I appreciate that. That's yes. one of the instrumental tracks for uh, Trapper the Rapper on my iPod, and I like to make up my own deals with them. But you know, that's that is a game that is definitely just rap in video game form, and it's not Def Jam Vendetta. Shout out right. to Def Jam Vendetta and uh, Flava Flay being the best character in the game. Shout out to <laughs> all the other. They they tried to make like. A rock band style rap game? Yeah. And I don't think that went over too well. I don't think that. That's hard to conceptualize. No, because. No, I'm not going to get into that right now. But. Right, right, right. Parappa the Rapper was definitely a game I played demos in Kmart. Like, I would go up to the little demo station and play Parappa the Rapper, and I would fail at it because I was really bad at it. And I didn't get good at rhythm games until I played Elite Beat Agents, which has. Zero rap, as far as I remember. So mm-hmm. that's funny. That you should definitely cosplay as Parappa the Rapper and go. Perform. Oh yeah. You should do that. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yes. Fun fact. Without a doubt. Fun fact. Not a single Parappa I've ever run into at a convention. Parappa, most killer bees. Uh, none of them have ever freestyle rap with me or rapped ever. Oh, that's weird. You'd think, at the very least, if they have the devotion, they could just do some material from the game. No. Yeah. Not. The only character I've ever seen people cosplay that will rap with me is MF Doom cosplayers. They that makes rap. sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you had that one guy that was dressed up like Grandmaster Flash? From... Oh, no, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Run DM. Yeah, he was Grandmaster Flash. The, the DMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh... Yeah, he rapped uh, that 80s style, too. Yeah, and it was good. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it was good. Okay, yeah. I think we got it on digits. We did, we did. I didn't post it, though, because I completely just fell over myself, because it was going to be way too complicated. And when I, was, I, I do that a lot. I'm very happy to hear that we have a Parappa fan on the show right now, because I have not really seen much of that game in recent years. I wanted to make a comeback, like an HD remix, but... Yeah. yeah, he was in Peace Ass, but yeah, uh, going out for Peace Ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was in PlayStation All Stars, and I did try to main him because he was good, but I was terrible, so <laughs> I couldn't do it. Now the game is dead. The game is very but, dead. Um, mm-hmm. It's deader than Resident Evil Zombies. So that game influenced you. You want to do an EP for that? That's amazing. That is definitely awesome. <laughs> in your own community. Um, rapping and performing. How many people do you run into are also like really big in the geek community, but don't necessarily like not necessarily people like the rap nerd and um, the shogunate right. to those guys, but like other people in the community you run into are like secretly on the low, the fans of that stuff and Dragon. I know it's Dragon yeah. Ball people out there. Yeah, there. I mean, well, for example, like my friend that I wanted to do it with, he's not in like the nerd section of hip-hop he's he's more i mean he's um he's a lyricist for sure but he definitely would be something that would be i wouldn't say mainstream but he'd be closer to what people would think of like the core of hip-hop right like he's not trying to talk specifically about his experiences with like nerd culture but i think that most people grow up with a connection to gaming in america most i mean for the most part it's an escape a lot of games are targeted towards just 
any teenage dude for the most part, I have to say, but like they're targeted towards like kids and teenagers. So for somebody to not resonate with the game is weird to me. I think some people, maybe they resonate more towards like sports games or racing games, which I never really got into sports games. So they might be talking about some NBA, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's cool. Ball thing. Right. Cool. But like, there's a lot of people that there's a genre that they really fell into. And if you get talking to them, you can pull it out of them. It's like, what do they do in their free time? You know, it's just uh, mess around with whatever game. And that's, that's their, their way to like de-stress. I think that's really normal. So I, I bet like everybody I talk to has some sort of geeky thing that they get into and they just don't think anything of it because it's their, their relaxation time has been that. Very, yeah, very yeah, true. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I expect a lot more people to. I notice a lot in hip hop. I'm I'm buying now, like recent recent stuff. I listen to a lot of West Coast hip hop, uh, mostly Word. 40. But hey. well, yeah, shout out to him. Yeah. Featured on he has a lot of other rappers featured on his albums, which are usually about five million tracks per album. Right now, <laughs> he does. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've noticed that a lot more rappers are making references to video games and not just Mario because yeah. Mario was a common one back in the day like Mario Mortal Kombat I heard that a lot in rap songs but I'm hearing I'm hearing guys saying stuff like Metal Gear Solid like in, mm-hmm. in rap like I forgot what the lyric was but the guys was like pedal to the Metal Gear Solid and right. I, I was like played it back like wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa. pedal the metal gear solid and then he went on with the rest mm-hmm. of his track and like that's a really good line in the song yep and it, you don't have to be into rap because pe- most people will hear that who don't know anything about video games and be like, oh, yeah, pedal the metal, he's going fast, and his gear is solid. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm like, no, 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 no. I feel asleep listening to this right now. You know, it's, this is great. And I know that was actually Metal Gear that I just met Metal Gear Solid. You got well, I yeah. see, like, so I go to different Cypher events, too, and I, I do see people, like, I'll, I'll just be traveling and I'll ha- try to hit up something that has, like, an open mic and a Cypher that's devoted to hip-hop, and you get people that, like, that's the, the their best rhymes and their best bars, like, because you always want to do, like, doubles and triple entendres if you can, because that kind of shows your prowess. It's, it's referencing whatever little cultural niches they've gotten to grow up in, and, like, those references pop up a lot, like, really geeky or nerdy references and the and i think that we are embracing people who have more intelligent interests and like it's it doesn't mean that you're a nerd anymore it just means like oh like that's cool to get into because like the art's cool like there's more there's more rappers to draw right or like more rappers to talk about comic books and like i was i grew up with comic book stuff all of that because it's art and if you're going to be a rapper if you're going to be into music if you're going to be a producer you care about art and all of these things are art forms. So it would be weird. I think if people didn't all along, you know, but like if people want to F with that, right? Like, they, like yeah. they're like, yeah, F with that stuff because it's the same idea. Like if you, if you like art in any way, right? Like your, your aesthetics are being informed by the world around you. And you're like, you're attracted to things that are artistically satisfying and like, it can be the graphics in the game it can be the story in the game it can be the music in the game all these things are like this immersive artistic world so i don't see why i think like rappers and artists and mcs would be more likely to gravitate towards that and the only reason people weren't talking about as much maybe in the past is like you get a bunch of crap for it 
And if you're not getting it, and and I think, you know, we have a lot of rappers that are more in their feelings or talking about drug use, talking about taboo subjects because emotions are involved. I think that also opens them up to talk about things that they really love and geek out on. Exactly. It's so true that, like, games have become art unto themselves almost, Mm -hmm. the the art associated with it. So it's just, you know, you see it not only permeating hip-hop culture, but just all different facets of culture. Right. So... We're growing up in a generation where, like, Mario was standards. So it's just really interesting to see how it's how it's breaking through and seeping through. And it's definitely no longer any kind of taboo, you know. Right. Yeah, my, my buddy and I, we made a track together. And he, he made a reference to Rival Schools that I did not catch until, like, the third time. Rival Schools? Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that game. <laughs> I didn't even know that he even played that game. It was like, he said he and a... Me, him, and his crew would rival school ya. And I was like, well, I played it back. Like, what did you just do? And that's why that's our theme song. Yeah, that's our theme song for the show. But it's funny because also during the song, like, my my references were not nearly as cool as his. Because he's a much better rapper than me. Shout out to Static, Mm -hmm. by the way. And he came on there, and I was on there, and I was all like, don't get mad at me. I'll start boxing, bob and weave, straight Steve Foxing. That was the... The best thing I had. That was the best thing I had. That was a good line. That was, yeah. that was good. And then I said, you know, I keep a persona style while I'm at it. In your TV, you're on TV only seeing Static, and his name is Static. You reference so. Persona. Dude, oh, you're awesome. We love, we love Persona. We love, we my, love my Persona. First, well, my first ever like introduction to Persona was Persona, persona for Arena. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about Persona. So I'm like, there's a fighting game. Oh, this is based on something else. And then I got into the anime, and then I saw the the game. So shout out to fighting game on that one. But yeah, that was a good line with the TV with the static. Yeah, can we? It's a triple entendre right there. That was pretty good. Can I just slide on over to the side here and say that one of the biggest joys that you can have in the world is when a Persona fan comes in the USO, sees Persona uh, 4 Arena, gets really excited and puts it in, and and I hear them say. This isn't an RPG, and they take the disc ah! and put it back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the side, like, man, he didn't make it through the tutorial. <laughs> no, man. play this person. That was a fun game, but yeah, I know people, most people know just the the RPG. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. It's cool. There's a lot of good music in yeah. there too. Yeah. Well, that was that is good. I I enjoy the the information you're giving us here, secret character chain, because uh, yeah. I think that people need to recognize how the music in games isn't just like beeps and boops. And you know what? For every single person who I've ever met who wants to talk trash about music in games, everybody remembers the Tetris theme. Right. Everybody remembers That's true. That. Everybody well, remembers that Mario. I, the Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Mario. I, Kirby? Kirby, I remember yes. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Kind of happy do-do-do-do stuff. Um, and, and, like, people are always using samples. I just made something. I haven't released it yet, but I was, we were doing more, like, chip y stuff, and I was like, oh, like, Connie was sampling the little, like, dialogue interludes from, like, freaking Street Fighter. I was like, oh, cool, just do some other ones. Like, they say, like, yoga fire, so you can, like, oh, cool, that's, like, a slang word we use now. We'll just, we'll just insert a little fire right there, and, you know, we, like... <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like there's there's all these random things that are iconic sounds. Like, they're not even necessarily the music, but like 
so if you're playing video games as a kid, right, it like really lodges in there. Like in terms of like earwormy type things, there's little sound effects. I used to play Elder Scroll games, right? Mm-hmm. And like the door noise, little creaky freaking door noise. I could identify that anywhere because like there'd be like some TV show that uses that same door noise. Like oh, you're using the same one from the game I played like eight million times. So. <laughs> If I put that creaky, you know, if I put that creaky door effect in one of my songs, everyone would be like, oh, snap. Like, you know, because it's your whole lifetime of hearing that over and over. <laughs> True. True statement. Because when I hear that bring noise that registers, I immediately think of Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Yes. It's like straight ripoff. It's like there's a, specific, there's a specific checkout machine that'll make that noise. Yeah, and that's straight from Sonic and, the Hedgehog. I know it. And then you just immediately time travel. Yeah, right. back to when you were playing those games. Yeah, right. I and love that, Sonic too. That was my jam. Yeah, and that's important to be able to uh, to do in music and in media. You want to be able to to really connect to your viewers in a way that's just <laughs> deeper than what they're seeing and hearing. Like, but just a script. Like, oh, we're in this this drama, and this drama is really interesting. But if you can like engage them with Things from the real world that people experience, people like that. And speaking of that, have you noticed that on shows, when anybody's ever playing a little video game console, they still do the pew, 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 pew. they'll play on an oh, right. yes. Xbox One. They'll be like, yeah. bow, 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 bow. like, what in the world are you doing? Because I, I, I collect OSTs. I like video game OSTs. Most of my iPod, or I should say a little over half of it, is just video game music. And I love playing music with people who don't play video games, and they'll listen to it. And they'll be like, oh, what is this? This is really good. I'm like, it's from a fighting game. It's from King of Fighters. And you like it. Right. So now you have to play the game with me. So, yeah, that's important. I like that. Very, yeah, very important. Yes. Yes. Indeed. I mean, could you could you imagine... Street Fighter 2 being as successful without that soundtrack? No. I don't think so. I don't no. think so. I don't think you can. Like, I, I think the, the music in King of Fighters, like, put it on a whole nother level. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't separate the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, like, Guilty Gear was revolutionary mm-hmm. in music because mm-hmm. they had the heavy metal, and that wasn't really something that was done in fighting games up till that point. Right. Yeah. 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 And in terms of rap, I mean, we have the legendary DK Donkey Kong song in Smash Brothers. Yeah. Everyone loved it. <laughs> and was great. Nobody questioned it. Yeah. Rap, rap, too, is like, so rap is sampling, right? Like, okay, some people, you can get out of hand with sampling, I get that. But, like, in general, it's like a Franken music where you just take from whatever you like. And that's what it's predicated on is like, oh, this is this thing. There's this one. It's, you know, like drum loops, right? It's like this one little tiny section I think is really exciting for me. And, you know, F the rest of the song. Like, I just want this one part. And that's what you you do anyway when you're constructing a song. So if you take some element of the game that means a lot to you, right? And then you put that in your music. Like, there's so many other people that had that same reaction when they heard that song or they heard that little tiny section or there's that sound effect that there, it's like it's so much bigger than just some arbitrary noise. It's like a little time capsule that you're inserting in your music, and people will catch that. Yeah, and I actually that that's a really good point because since a lot of rap bars they only take small parts of iconic songs, especially for video games, being mm-hmm. able to even though it's on loop, 
usually, and they might like, you know, do something different for the bridge or whatever. It really hits me because when I'm listening to a song, like I was listening to a song by a, oh, I don't remember who the producer was, but he he did a sample of the Sephiroth song, Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. and it came over mm-hmm. like Sephiroth, Sephiroth, over and over again. But for me, like I I've never played Final Fantasy VII, but I know that song. And when I heard right. that instrumental come on, I was like, oh, what is this? Ah, it got me hype. It got me mad. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I want to kind of move over to another serious subject here because, uh, Jane, you are actually the first woman we've had here on the show. Uh, we've tried to get. Uh, oh. Yeah, we've tried to get 10th Muse on the show before. Our friend to talk about um, uh, having. She has some uh, physical issues, fibromyalgia, and she wanted to talk about mm-hmm. gaming and disabilities, but we weren't able to mm-hmm. get her on the show. But I'm mentioning her on the one show. One day, one day, 10th Muse. Because we were going to get her on the show. We're going to get 10th Muse on the show. Yes. But you're actually uh, the first one we've had here on the show. Most everybody else we've had are just uh, guys we've met through the USO, and only one woman was in the New Challengers who was my Smash Brothers partner, and I haven't heard from her in a while. Shout out to Angelica. Mm. But we wanted to ask you some questions because, sure, me and Ivan could talk about them. I know how much, I want to preface this with, I know how much women like to hear what men think about women's issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. No, no, know. no. Let I, me tell you. Let me tell. Let no. me. Oh, uh, excuse me, yeah. Danny. I'm, I'm talking. Let me explain. Okay. No, 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 no. No, no, I'm not going to do that I was just going to interject, like. The problem is when, a, a, like, there's a lot of, there's a subset of men, not all men, hashtag, uh, that yeah. like to not just say, like, what when, what they've noticed about women, but what, like, women think mm. about something. I'm like, hmm, maybe you don't know that. Maybe you <laughs> so that's, don't. That's the layer that gets, like, mind-reading and creepy and, yeah. Anyway, as long as you're not doing that, you're good. <laughs> no, no, all no. Right. We're, we're, not, uh, we're not doing that at all. And we, no. we have we're you We're just here to facilitate. Show. We have you on the show. And now, we have you on the show because we want your opinions on things, not because we want you to speak for all women. I think that's another yeah. big mistake that other right. people make. So, this is, these are the opinions of Janie. But, Janie, you are a woman, and I see you as one thing I really respect about you when I went to FanimeCon uh, was you came out and you were like, I rap about things that are about my life. I don't care if they make you uncomfortable. You know, you rap about periods and, you know, mansplaining and all and like the interview song that you did. Like, I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. I like that a lot, and I respect you for it. So I'm glad we have you on the show here to talk to us for a bit here. And we'll probably get 10th Muse to talk about it as well, uh, her side of it. But we want you to tell us what it's like for you as a woman in the gaming world. I know that's a broad subject, so we'll break it down over Mm -hmm. time. But for Mm -hmm. you, let's start with what you know best right now in music. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the challenges that you face? So the music chains, the music industry has been shifting a lot. Um, and there's a lot of people that are interested in hearing from perspectives that maybe before they would have mocked or put down or, uh, even have been averse to because of what it might say about them to have sympathy or empathy or create space for that person to talk about their experiences. And this is more generally too. Like it's not just about women. There's a lot of people trying to be more inclusive of all kinds of different identities. 
and where people fall on like how they want to identify themselves in our society. So there's there's a lot of people that come up to me trying to have that conversation. Um, cause also like I, I have short hair. So even that, that's like an, our, our society is so, um, dogmatic about how people should look that doing something divergent sounds like a statement of real talk. I just look awful with long hair <laughs> and I was a ballet dancer for a long time. And as soon as I could cut off, I was like, yes, this is the dream. Um, but people, you know, they'll, they'll wonder if that's like a statement. And I was like, okay. Cause, but cause I think people are trying to be very, very sensitive to that. And I see that in music. On the other hand, there's, you know, people who are a little bit older or like have been in the industry for a little bit longer. And they do try to give you a lot of advice that may be a little less than helpful about how you have to act as a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's a little frustrating to me because I'm like, I'm just going to act like myself. Like, but people will kind of try, try to police your attitude to try to make it easier for you to succeed by making people less uncomfortable for whatever reason. And I just do not believe in that because a lot of times that's all based on projecting a stereotype on top of you anyway. So, so for example, like I have a panic disorder and I was in a little competition a couple, like a week ago and some judge came up to me. I had stayed the whole time because I, I thought that was the right thing to do. But at the time I was actually on the verge of having a panic attack and I get them randomly. It's not like I'm upset. I just, I literally have had this since I was seven and I get them randomly. And somebody saw me doing, saw me getting upset and this this judge was talking to me and I was like just shutting down. And this woman came up to me and she said, like, you can't cry because this is the industry. You can't cry when you're getting criticized. And I was trying to like, I have a panic disorder and I'm hyperventilating right now. I'm not upset. But she was trying to tell me, like, don't act this way because men will think this about you. It's like, well, that's wrong, though. Like, there's no reason why I can't cry and hyperventilate because I have a freaking panic disorder. I know that's why that's happening. And you can't project you can't project that onto me because it's like if I was a dude, they would project something different onto me. If I was this size, they would project something different on me. If I'm this age, they'll project something different on me. But that doesn't mean the reality of what's going inside of you. So I think some of the attitudes, and this is just universal, has to move on from like telling people, well, you have to police your behavior because otherwise we're going to assume this stereotype about you based on what you look like. Or, you know, how we perceive you and what class of person we believe you are. And it's like, well, that just limits human expression. I just want to go in there, explain what I know is true about myself, what I know is true about my situation, and then make space for other people to do that, too, where I'm not going to walk in and be like, oh, I think you acting this way means this about you because of how you look. Yeah, those are all really good points. And I agree completely. I personally, I'm, I'm sick and tired of living in a world this is going to sound really, really sad. I'm sitting out of living in a world where I have to cater my behavior to make other people more comfortable. But that's what it's like as as a uh, a black person. I am a black mm-hmm. person for all people listening to podcasts. Angry Challengers Black. Oh, no. I, I'm a black person, and I have to pretty much live my life knowing that I make people uncomfortable in certain situations. Right. And I have to make more people feel comfortable about my presence, and I just want to be present and alive Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's one thing to be present and alive in the world, because the world is a hard place for everyone to a certain degree. But when it's something that you enjoy, whether that's music or cosplay or video gaming or whatever, 
you just want to enjoy that. You just want to thrive in that, and you want to be you. But you still have people that are coming up to you trying to tell you who you want to be. Uh, right. Who, oh, I mean, exactly. who they need you to be to, so that they can enjoy it. So mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as a black person, I can sort of relate to that. There's a whole slew of challenges you have as a woman that you deal with. And, you know, I, I commend you for the music and what you do and being able to share your story in a way because not a lot of people can take their words and phrases and really express themselves in that way. Mm-hmm. I want to say, too, I, I think that encouraging people to try to do that is really important, too. So, like, if you're okay, if I have an opportunity to talk about myself and it feels like I'm being more vulnerable or I'm like saying something that can be judged, I still think it's so important for me to do that because, like, it's not that my story is the it's definitely not the most important one ever told for like god no that's not it but like if i'm doing that somebody else who's a kid might be hearing that and they may be very different than myself but they're like oh that person's gonna face criticism for that but they're doing it anyway huh i also would face criticism for that and it just gives them another person doing it and then seeing what's gonna happen if they get the criticism it's like oh that just points out who's a jerk basically and who's doesn't make any sense because usually the criticism is crazy so the more people i think who are out there doing it, it also builds role models and examples of like, oh, actually, I can do that. Like, and ultimately, our society has to move forward because there, there were times where none of this would have been possible for any of us. Like, expressing yourself in art or music would have had very strict limits on it. And I think pushing it further and further is a responsibility of artists to just say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go up there in front of the firing squad because I feel like I'm in a position where the firing squad is still going to take aim at me, but I'm going to survive. So I'm going to go do that for anybody that can't at this point survive the firing squad because the firing squad is too freaking has too much ammunition still or too much power and just like slowly dismantle the power that way. It takes a lot to be the person to step up and be the first person to make those issues known. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. that person might just kind of like fall out of favor uh, sooner rather than later and then you know along like really long down the line people look back and say hey this person did this thing and it influenced me and then they'll get the accolades and the um the kudos that they deserve but until Mm -hmm. then you know life is about taking risks especially as a minority figure in uh, anything you want to do yeah Mm -hmm. i'm sure that you've had some not so great experiences like the one you you mentioned before when you're having the panic attack and mm-hmm. I don't have a problem like that like I I can't even say that I understand what that's like I can imagine uh, the way you describe it you're very vivid in, in your description on your uh, Instagram yes and I've I've actually had uh, friends who have that problem in the way mm-hmm. they talk about it, and they like feel like they're like closed up, like claustrophobic in their own heads, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah. It, it affects them. That's got to be very, very difficult to deal with and to cope with. Because is there really a way that you can cope with that? It just kind of happens, right? It just happens. Um, the the thing I've I okay, so it's hard because 
you you kind of it's something you have to deal with with therapy pretty much like um there's not really a medication you can try different things but it's kind of like in my opinion it depends on what else is going on neurologically with you and if there's no root cause for it um you could be spectrum there's all kinds of reasons why you're getting overstimulated and the best thing you can do is try to catch it early mm-hmm. but the problem with that is it may not be socially smart to remove your felt self from that situation you may have to try to stick around right yeah like i i had a panic attack while a police officer was there and like he couldn't understand that I was saying I had a panic disorder. So it was like a terrifying moment in my life, but I can't walk away from the police officer, you know? So there's, or you're, you know, I've had it happen where I'm waiting in line and there's something I need to get done that day. And I was like, okay, crap, I just have to go through this and try to explain this person. Okay. So I realize my face is leaking right now and I'm not breathing correctly, but I really have to do this and act like a normal person. Mm-hmm. So you can try to intervene earlier on but and you know like for me like one of my triggers i have a hard time sometimes with a lot of very crowded places so some of the claustrophobic thing can pop in and i have to be on guard that i need to maybe step back a couple of times like if i'm at a crowded venue i might have to find somewhere quiet i can go mm-hmm. a couple of times right to try to de de-escalate the anxiety that I, I I don't even necessarily feel it as anxiety. I just know that, okay, this trigger probably could do it because the whole time you're kind of thinking like, I'll be fine this time. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're just hyperventilating. So I think the thing with panic attacks is that you can take as many precautions as you want, but sometimes the social demands are just going to be too important and you have to kind of try to struggle through it and, and you may not have an escape route. And you just have to do as much uh, like damage control as you can and, and try to make sure there's people around you that understand that you have this problem so you don't feel the threat of being misunderstood. Because I think that that's part of the issue, too. And I think that's kind of universal if you have any sort of an issue that people around you will misinterpret it and then you'll be put into an additional stress. So it's a it's a very exaggerated version of what we all kind of go through if someone's going to misunderstand us and that's going to add more stress to us because the stress is also what's making you hyperventilate (laughs) or whatever your your version of panic attack some people they feel like they're dying and they get like heart palpitations that are quite um scary uh yeah so it 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 varies but i think a lot of people who have it uh, it can lead to isolation. So my my goal is I don't need to have all the answers for it. I just know it's something I've had since as far back as I can remember. I've tried to work on it as far back as I can remember. And I just don't want it to limit me. And mm-hmm. I, I want to prove that you don't have to pull back from the world and you don't have to beat yourself up and say like, oh, I wish I was different. I want to still be an artist. I want to still do these things. I want to be okay with myself the way that I am, even if it's not going to be something I can ever fully change or make normal. All right. That's uh, that's a lot to deal with there. And uh, I'm sure that having a good support system, like you said, is very, very yeah. important for something like that and making your friends aware. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know that my friends who have disabilities, that's a really big thing for them to let people know that, like, hey, I have this this is what it means when this happens to me. I've had friends mm-hmm. pass out on me and I go through seizures and I just kind of just sit there and watch. And mm-hmm. at first, like when it happens and you don't know, it's scary. But then when you know, right. it's like, okay, this is what I have to do to help this person. And mm-hmm. 
you might not be able to fix somebody, but I, I, I'm going to assume that it means a lot to you when people are cognizant of your problem and want to help you and understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes literally all the difference. Like, I think that's the, for, in my experience, that's the most helpful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I had a friend, uh, she just like passed out. Just randomly, randomly mm-hmm. just like thunk. And she mm-hmm. woke up and she's like lying on my lap. She's like, where am I? And I'm like, it's all right. You passed out. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Because her friend came in. I was like, oh, she passed out. Is she okay? And she's like, is she breathing? Yeah, she'll wake up. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not making a bigger deal out of it too or like assuming it means this or that or the other, especially if your friend's like, this is just a thing that's part of me. And there's like, Probably like as far as I know, there's no extra special bells or whistles. It's just this random uh, setting of how my brain works, and eh, like <laughs> yeah. you know, like I try to have a sense of humor about it because I, I think that that's all you can do. It that's at a certain point. Like it'd be great if we were at a point where we could help all people with disabilities, like cater their environment and make sure they've done everything they can to be you know optimal and. The most comfortable but we're definitely not there yet and sometimes you just kind of have to do your best and not feel like you're inadequate because you have some extra thing that not everybody has to deal with it's like you know a lot and a lot of disabilities are invisible too so it, it's really interesting to me as an artist because that that's how I got through all this was writing honestly like I've been writing raps and and poetry since I was like seven or eight and a lot of it was to cope with the social anxieties and the issues I was having because of some issues with panic and panic attacks and overwhelm and episodes that I would have like this was one of my major coping techniques was to write about it and that like why would I not fight to go then be an artist and a rapper if I spent all this time and that's what got me through having a panic disorder was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good way to, to deal with it because then you can share your story with others, and it can mm-hmm. help. It can, can you know it might help other people. I think that's right. the, exactly as somebody who also I used to write a lot. People ask, "Oh, why do you write?" Blah blah blah. I, my hope was that maybe one day someone would see what I wrote, like if I made it public or whatever, and you would make right. their day a little bit better. Or in your case, it might help somebody to understand what they're even going through because a lot of people don't even know they might just think that there's something wrong with me and that's it yes and yes that's society, exactly that's what society's going to tell them they're going to say mm-hmm. there's something wrong with me you know i'm broken i need to be fixed and i'm a burden but then when they hear your story and you explain how you feel they're like okay I, i'm not a problem like this is just something i have to deal with people should understand that and you know they can go out and tell yeah. their story too Exactly. Yeah, I certainly hope so. If that's what I could accomplish, I'd be the happiest just be able to do that. Yeah. Sometimes when people give me crap, it doesn't happen a lot, but some people, you know, tell me how to express myself emotionally because that's what they see my panic disorder as is like, she's emotional. I'm like, nope. Um, A lot of artists self-medicate and a lot of rappers are using not like you know, uppers, but downers, they're using things to, that would be anti-anxiety medications, like the whole Xanax thing, you know, it's like, yeah, or, and even there's a lot of great artists that die from drug overdoses. And it's like a lot of artists are, are dealing with maybe some less than neurotypical stuff. 
And they're, they're trying to be in these environments that are very high stimulus and very high pressure and a lot of people telling them to control themselves. And one of the ways you can control yourself is by drinking and by adding in lots of chemicals and getting yourself like into an altered state. And so sometimes when people get get at like people that are sensitive or quote unquote sensitive, right? People that have something where they they look quote unquote emotional and all that stuff, I'm like, don't shame that. Like, yeah. That's how people get get into drugs and alcohol and die. And if, and like I feel we lose a lot of really brilliant artists that way too. So I, there's another layer why I stand up for that because I'm like, man, it's not cool to have cirrhosis. Like, no, it's, it doesn't no, it's not. help. And it becomes an issue of people doing that and they become abusive. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's that's when I'm like, okay, we need to help this person. Yeah. And yep. Yeah, the right thing to bring uh, up, too, because I've, I've seen that a lot. I mean, like being involved in music, too, there's a lot of people. I've known a lot of people that like I'll be hanging out with them and then like time goes on. I'm like, oh, you're an alcoholic. Oh, shit. <laughs> Especially when you're younger. Right. And you're like, oh, it's cool. It's cool. It's like, oh, no, this is not cool. Oh, OK. I see your life in 20 years. Oh, no, you're going to be oh, a mess. Oh, no. oh. so, you know, it, it taunts on you slowly when everyone's like kind of doing a party atmosphere and all that. And you're like, oh, you're sad. Like that's not, that was not that was not a cool situation that we were involved in there. That was different for you. Yeah, but um, I, I get what you were saying earlier, like. We shouldn't necessarily just shame, shame these people. No. But we we should try to help them. But at the same time, I'm over here like, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. So I can't help my friends in the capacity of me being Jarvis, the angry challenger. Mm -hmm. But there's sometimes I have to disconnect from certain people because it's just too much. And yep. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those people that will normally go out and say, like, you've got to put forth the effort to help yourself if you want to get help. But sometimes you do have to put forth that effort because not a lot of people can do yep. it for you. No. Uh, yeah. I, I I think, like, I, one of my goals, and then this actually is in my art, too. One of my goals is to, like, increase more literacy about mental health and mental hygiene, like, just basically, like, who we really are. Mm-hmm. And I think if we were all a little bit more literate, some of these conversations would be easier and more effective. So I, I try to be honest with people and say, like, hey, I've had, like, more experience with psychology than your average bear, and this is what I've noticed, and maybe this would be something you want to take to a professional. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, with my slightly more literate position on some of the psycholo- psychological issues like I see you hitting some markers that I would I'd signify as like indicating you need a little more help right and I try to do stuff like that and also show in my life where I am in the spectrum of mental health and what's going on with me so that people have an opportunity to see that being literate on mental health is like a good idea <laughs> like it's it protects you and it helps you to give people good advice. It helps you to be proactive mm-hmm. when you see somebody struggling instead of saying something that's a little bit colloquial or again, like comfortable. You might end up seeing something that's a little bit weird or uncomfortable, but uncomfortable, but it's psychologically speaking pretty accurate. And you can say like, Hey, for more information, go talk to somebody in the mental health field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That was actually really good information, just in general, to have. And I agree with what you're saying. 
And like I said before, I, as far as I know, I don't really have anything like that. So it's good for me, and I think it'll be good for other people to hear that. Because people need to hear that. A lot of people, okay, so a big thing for me, I'm still on this topic. A big thing for me is when people post up the suicide hotline. You know, right. Hey, if you need help, go ahead and uh, call this number. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just want my friends to be able to get the help they need and call this number. I have called a suicide hotline before. Mm-hmm. And I called them, and the guy was very dismissive, and he put me off the phone. Yep. And he told yep. me straight up, he's like, are you going to hurt yourself? And I said, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I No, I don't want to. And he's like, li- he told me, listen, I have other people, clients, who wow. are like, they, they're going through a lot. And it sounds like to me that you just need to go to the VA and talk to a psych. And I told him, I was like, I've been trying to talk. To, I have been trying to talk to a VA psych since 2010. Mm-hmm. Hasn't happened because that's the system mm-hmm. we live in. Uh, the veterans... Yep. I can go on and on about the VA, but I will say that this guy, he was very upset because I called him at like four in the five in the morning, four or five in the morning, and mm-hmm. he put me off the phone, and I was just well, there, like, ugh. So I, I tell my friends, having resources is great. It took a lot for me to make that call because yeah. a lot of people, when they're in that dark place, they don't want to go get help mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they feel like a burden, and I say the thing that yeah. you need to do is you need to reach out to your friends and pay attention to people. Get out of your own little bubble, your own little bubble, mm-hmm. which I know is hard because a lot of people, a lot of people live in an environment where they're in their hometown, they're with their friends, and that's it. Mm-hmm. For me, being somebody who's all over the world all the time, traveling coast to coast, from country to country, I feel like I'm a little bit more cognizant about reaching out to people because that's that's my whole life. Right. As friends people we need to be able to reach out and actually ask like hey jane how you doing everything all right you know i I saw the thing that you posted and but actually be that person to ask if they're Mm -hmm. okay and if the person says i'm fine like maybe that's not enough right right yeah sometimes you have to kind of go over there too like to be really like get them out so i've called the suicide hotline too and it so i have more the flip side of the panic attacks, I get really intense suicidal ideations potentially when the chemicals leave my bloodstream. You have like um, a hangover, sort of a crash thing that basically will have to happen. So as extreme as your cortisol shoots up, once it's depleted, it's like being in this very immediate depression and blah, blah, blah. So I've, I've dealt with that before. And you're also like, it's feeling like a burden, right? You're like, why, why, why am I doing this? This is not helpful. And so I, I, I didn't ever think I could kill myself but I was like but this is as bad as I can get I should try calling a suicide hotline and it was extremely unhelpful and you know they're just making they were making sure that I wasn't gonna kill myself right that second and then they told me to go to emergency room if I first of all they said to go to emergency room and I think if someone feels really suicidal get your butt to an emergency room that's more useful than necessarily a suicide hotline from my personal experience not to jump over their hoops Mm -hmm. but if you're really feeling in danger, there's there's people there that can help you. There's usually a, a lot of major hospitals will have a psych ward that's in some way connected to them so they can get you somewhere where you'll be safe. If you're really if you're delusional, if anything feels really off, I would recommend going to a hospital. That's one thing. And then the other thing is that 
um, they'll kind of tell you to like, you know, try to plug into the existing system. And a lot of people, depending on your insurance, depending on how educated and comfortable you are exploring that system and how lucky you get, you can really hit many, many, many barriers and, and other ones besides ones I just listed because we don't have something in place, to be really honest, to adequately help people who are in crisis. And that frustrates me a lot because it's entirely possible for us to get to that point as a society to support people that are in mental health crises. Either you can have a bipolar situation, you can have a schizophrenic situation, you can have something where there's active hallucinations. There's lots of really scary things that can happen with your brain. Some of them are even physical manifestations of injuries. Like there's all kinds of things that happen and we don't really have a place people can often go or find uh, so a lot of times if you can talk to people that you know that are successfully managing and coping with a mental health thing, those can be some really great allies and they can even start recommending what they found because a lot of it, you have to learn to be an ally for yourself and develop kind of a toolbox of resources and like professionals that you trust and just telling people like, okay, this is how I navigated the current system because it is inadequate and that's just the reality of it. I don't feel uncomfortable saying that because it's true. And it makes me upset because I have other friends who are going through different mental health issues and I'm seeing them not get the help that they really need. And it's of no fault of their own. It's not like they aren't trying. So yeah, I think, I think reaching out to friends, especially ones that you know have some literacy or are dealing with it can be extremely helpful if you're going through something yourself. Yes. And I think that the biggest thing for me trying to explain to my friends is if you're having an issue you can call a stranger and Mm -hmm. even if that stranger were to just talk to you they don't know you like somebody who might have known you for like four or five six twenty years of your Mm -hmm. life like that's the person who probably you'd be better suited trying to talk to you Mm -hmm. your friend who's been there with you the entire time and who knows you and who can tell you that like no you you are worth it because you've accomplished all of these things and he's watched you go through life not necessarily some stranger who might try to put you off the phone or just tell you to go to a hospital or exactly. just establish this or that. Like sometimes, like for me at that time, I just really wanted somebody I could talk to, to like mm-hmm. hear me out. And I didn't really have that at that mm-hmm. early in the morning or whatever. And yeah, that, that would have really helped me out a lot. Right. Let's actually get back on topic here. Okay. Women in gaming. So we talked about you in music and some of the challenges you face in gaming earlier you were talking about just bouncing boobs everywhere and talking like my shiranui and fatal fury and uh kasumi and dead or alive and a lot of a lot of guys they joke about that like well do you know do do people actually really care about that stuff and blah 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 blah. and actually i don't know if you are aware of this but dead or alive six The producers Mm -hmm. came out and said that they are going to actually focus less on that. Like, yeah, yeah, they came out and there's been a bit of backlash in the fighting game community. Like, they're making Dead or Alive PC, which is funny because all those same people who are complaining about Dead or Alive (laughs) becoming more politically correct earlier, they were saying it's not a real fighting game because it's just, you know, it's just a booby fighter. That's all it is. And then that. Tecmo comes out and says, okay, well, we're going to make it less of a booby fight. Oh, it's because you're trying to be politically correct. You can't. Gamers, 
Well, it's, it's not anatomically correct. So. No, it's not anatomically or politically. Yeah. Or it's politically correct and it's anatomically incorrect. So, yeah, I don't understand. Like, I watch it like, how, how can that woman fight in a bikini and heels? Let me, yeah. I, okay, here's some things I've always wanted to explain. And if you happen to have, like, a slightly more male audience, like, as, like, what is that, Reddit, like, bad female anatomy? Like, mm-hmm. okay, first of all, are all the dudes wearing athletic cups? In fighting games, because shouldn't there like stuff be bounced? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right? I've always wondered. I was like, that's more loose than boobs are. Like, yeah. just think it through. Right? It doesn't make. Also, I'm just putting in my two cents there. So the other thing. Yeah. The other thing is like, okay, so I I'm a I'm a woman, right? Mm-hmm. So boobs are attached to your body and there's nerves in them right but they're not muscles so they like they obey gravity and you don't right it's, or, or at least says they obey gravity when you can resist gravity right they're they're just kind of off because there's no muscles like muscles help you to push against gravity and whatnot so it doesn't feel good <laughs> to have your boobs bouncing mm. it hurts so yeah. if someone's got like a D cup and no support, that would be so painful. It'd be like gravity trying to rip your boobs off. So like, oh my god. <laughs> so it's like for me, as like you know, people are like, like, well, guys are totally making this because a a woman would see this and have kind of like an empathetic response of like, oh, the pain, the anguish, <laughs> like that would hurt so much. So it's like watching somebody like kick someone in the balls like for an hour. It's like, oh god, that would hurt so bad. So that's those are a couple things, and and you know if you're fighting, you just you'd want your stuff like strapped down mm-hmm. so it doesn't feel uncomfortable. Yes. Period. Like stuff like that. It's kind of like it's a fantasy world that I don't think a woman would create because you would just have that sort of knee jerk reaction like oh ow like that would hurt. <laughs> yes, yes, I can I can see that. I I dated a girl who she had to wear like she would go out running and she would just have to be strapped down. Because it just yeah, wouldn't like work. Like two bras. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. That's not uncommon. I, I was a ballet dancer, and like it can be difficult to have larger boobs as a ballet dancer because you're basically wearing like a, leotards don't have a lot of support. So if a friend had bigger boobs or something, she'd have to wear a sports bra underneath her leotard because it's just it's physically uncomfortable. Like it's not. It's it's very strange to me. Like is it? I wonder. When people talk about political correctness, it's it's just such a weird it's a weird phrase to me too because I think it's like a little bit invented by people on the right wing as a criticism that doesn't necessarily correspond with anything reality. Like it's a little bit of a straw man issue. But for me, just like just looking at the anatomical situation there, it's like that just doesn't make and like a lot of people who have bigger boobs end up with like scoliosis and back issues. Mm-hmm. So like they're not gonna look. Like that, they're gonna be, you know, like hunched over, like a question mark, like, ow, my low back hurts. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, you know, it's very weird to me because I don't think that people would come up with that unless if they had a very detached relationship with women in the first place, where they just like have no idea what it's like to be inside of a, a woman's body, mm-hmm. and then they're like, they have this idea of what they think it looks like, and then they make a more exaggerated and more exaggerated and more exaggerated version of it until it looks like a, like a what is that, homunculus or something? Yeah. Like, it looks esque and kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, like... I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I think that a, a big part of it is, uh, I mean, a lot of it is made by men, obviously, 
And then yeah. the the counter argument is, well, you know, look at like using DOA, like look at Jan Lee, you know, he's all shredded up and stuff. Like, it happens to men too. I'm like, yeah, but men are making that. That's a men power, are making that. That's a power fantasy for men. Yeah. And what you're describing to me is not a power fantasy for women. <laughs> No, right? Yeah, no, that's not a power fantasy. And I've, I've, I'm aware of like weird arguments. People say like, oh, women's power is being sexy. I'm like, oh, that is not how that works at all. Like people, it doesn't feel good for strangers to, to look at you sexually. If that's, I mean, I guess if that's what you're going for, but I've never gone for that. And I've had people say creepy things to me since I was like eight and wearing like a school uniform. And, and so like, a lot of times that's actually a power fantasy of a dude too, where it's like, oh, I can just talk to this woman about sexuality and make her feel small anytime. She's just walking down the street, time to make her feel small. So, you know, when people are trying to throw it back, like, oh, that's how women execute their power. I'm like, I don't think that's what power is. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but I don't think that's what power means. I think that's, that's something else entirely. It's covering up for some other deeper, more uncomfortable conversation. So for you, that I, I'm, I'm judging by your reaction from the uh, the robot fighting game. Yeah. That swayed you away from other games. You were actively looking for games that weren't just completely fixated on sexualizing the the women characters in the game. You wanted yeah. to just you wanted to just enjoy a game without having to watch all that and think about right. That. Yeah. All that weird baggage. I just wanted to have people that happen to be like me, right? And just getting to just be heroes in it. That's it. Like without something very weird layered on top of it. That was obviously weird because it it didn't relate to me or anything that I would grow up to be, right? So I was like, what is this thing I'm seeing over and over again? And, you know, I think I just accepted that the world was like that at the time and I was just going to have to make make my own hacks to the world to get to see and experience what I wish was out there. So I I liked that game. I just would like hit the enter key really really fast <laughs> after yeah. I won the fight. I was like, "Okay, let's move beyond this." But otherwise there was no other game like that. And I don't think there is now. I don't think I mean you know, we're, I'm not seeing a narrative that's not only uncomfortable, but wrong. Like, it's clearly wrong if you grow up and you're, you just happen to be a girl and you're like, what is all this baggage that people are doing? I'm just trying to be a human being. Why am I seeing this same story over and over again? And I don't, it doesn't have anything to do with me or my life or people that I know or girls that I know or my mom or my grandmother or, you know, I mean, like, it's it's very obvious after a while that this is something kind of pathological and weird about society and you kind of have to find like how can I exist in this society and find something close to what it would be like if it wasn't crazy like this. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see I see the difficulty in that because I mean for me as a black guy it's like I just want a black character. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of black characters in games, but I can't really think of a that I can think of a few games starring women protagonists that completely aren't completely focused on that. I mean, I right. think Tomb Raider's trying to move in that direction. Yeah, trying to. right. And, mm -hmm, trying to. I played Tomb Raider. Like, I was excited to see a female. And again, I was like, all right, she's wearing, like, booty shorts, whatever. This is as close as we're going to get for now, right? Like, sometimes it's like, fine. 
Okay. And, and and you could, her proportions, you could have a woman, I guess, that sort of looks like that. It would be cool if you had like all kinds of people that looked normal. And, and even the guys stereotypes, like the giant muscle things that again, are designed by dudes, mm-hmm. you know, like nobody typically looks like that without a scary amount of steroids and <laughs> other strange things going on. So, you know, it's just about, okay, that that kind of person can exist. So I think you can kind of put into your head like, okay, this is as close as I'm going to get. This is the type of person that can exist. I'll just edit this a little bit in my head to make it less crazy and I'll get to play a game where I have some something that's it's not even representing you. It's representing the world that kind of should exist. Like my ideal is kind of like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, and like you know everybody was just there and all kinds of people looked all kinds of different ways and had different jobs and it it was totally relevant what race or planet for that matter or gender they were it was just like oh that's just that's the engineer you're like cool so i think that's kind of what i was always looking for as a world where it's like ah eh, it's it's just not a factor in what you can become yeah oh that's i mean i mean i guess beyond good and evil is the biggest one i can remember Back in the yeah. day when that came out, and right. a lot of people mm-hmm. want to say like, you know, Metroid. I mean, I guess at first yeah. when she just she took her helmet off, like, oh, cool, she's a woman, and yeah. then like in the special bonuses, you get to play as her in a bikini. I'm like, okay, well, you, right, you, you, guys, you almost had it, <laughs> like, you guys almost, were almost exactly, there. exactly. You just gotta like yeah. edit that out a little bit. You're like, ah, oh, fine, whatever. Oh, we'll yeah. deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, um. It's like, can I just have a black character that's not, like, completely jacked, bald, or, like, right. has to be the cool guy? Like, can we have more characters like Kick from Dive Kick, who he's, like, essentially mm-hmm. Will Smith, and he's just a freestyle rapping, like, guy that's just mm-hmm. really funny? Can we have that? And for you, it must be even more difficult because, like I said before, I'm, like, from a fighting game perspective, because our show and our organization started off with fighting games, I can't think of that many characters that are not sex objects in some to some degree like, right yeah i mean i guess my, my girl makoto but she's underage so see i was about to say so yeah a lot of the ones where if it's like it's not sexualized it's kind of like a little girl yeah. and like i've looked young all of my life so i've gotten weird attention for looking young too so it's like oh no what is that also oh god so there's a little bit of like a weird sexualizing of children thing yeah, that's, the thing that's that there you're like but you know that's that's the problem is like okay so people we shouldn't be looking at them in that weird creepy way but then you're like why do we keep having the same archetypes pop up it's like there's something weird that's selecting this is like what's getting put out there and it's just like an extra layer put on top of people like you could have a kid fighting like one of my favorite characters in an anime is Ed from Cowboy Bebop. Because, mm-hmm. like, what the heck is Ed? <laughs> like, yeah. Ed is amazing. <laughs> and, and just a spaz. And it's great. Like, and this person, it, I don't know how you could sexualize Ed. Like, I guess <laughs> you could try, but it'd be a little weird. But really you weird. can you can kind of, right? You can tell when something is supposed to have a layer of sexualization on top of it. Fair. There's just this little subtle thing. You're like, oh, no. Like. There's more here. Great. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know that now they're trying to do the whole, they're trying to save the whole deal. Like, well, like you said before, uh, and I think it's interesting how you were talking about, like, oh, women's powers and their sex. I think 
that is a thing because men that that's why mm -hmm. that's see it's like it's not really power per se oh what what I understand it's not really power so much as like what people are telling you is your power lies in your ability to attract the attention of men, and that's not necessarily right. and, power yeah. like you were saying before. no it's not oh. well, and I think a lot of times so okay, the sexuality thing. <laughs> What they're saying a lot of times is that like they'll they'll won't be able to control the men won't be able to control their reactions because you're so sexy. Right. So it's like, is that power? Like you're not telling him to do anything. He's saying that, like, I won't be able I have an excuse for behaving badly <laughs> yes. because of how you look like that doesn't sound anything like power to me. It It sounds like. It's an entirely different dynamic that's being kind of masqueraded as power to avoid, again, like a super uncomfortable conversation about what that's really about. Because it would it would go so many layers back and we'd have to discuss like all power dynamics. We'd end up discussing all forms of bigotry. We'd end up discussing like how we've coped with being a dimorphic species. Like, nope, I don't think people really want to have that conversation a lot of times. I don't I don't think they want to make their world that complicated, even though. It is, and even though a lot of people suffer as a consequence of just kind of accepting a narrative that is, I think, a lie, and I think is, it just doesn't rationally, logically make sense when you take it to its logical extreme or its own conclusions. Like you're like, well, that premise doesn't, you're, it's, it's like it's not really adding up. Yes, yes, and uh, that is a very complicated topic to cover. Right. But yeah, super. Uh, for, for gaming, uh, it's important. It's gamer. The industry wants to make money, and I always hear them mm -hmm. say, like, how are we going to get more women to play our games? And I I think what they're missing is, like, just make characters. Just design yeah. a character and make that character black. Make that character a woman. Make that character Asian. Like, just stray away from the straight white male archetype that is pervasive in the entire video gaming world. And I'm not saying that I have an issue playing as a straight white male if right I did, I wouldn't yeah no there's a lot of straight white male characters i like it's not that like you know i can't relate to those people i think I, I, we might have talked about this when we were at that conference too like i i think you learn to relate to those people when you're a person of color when you're a woman you're, you're like oh I'll, I'll just have to insert myself in that story because like let's say you're watching like a classic movie like a uh, never-ending story or something mm -hmm. it's a little boy protagonist you're like oh okay i'm going to relate to them and then i'd like to be the hero of that story so i'll just imagine that i am in that that person choose and then when you ask people to do that towards a young black person or a young woman all of a sudden that's a problem when everybody that hasn't had somebody that looks like them be the the protagonist has to relate to them and it's not a big deal so why can't other people relate to protagonists and admire protagonists that are black and women and people of color and other minorities or classes in our society that haven't had the treatment that white males have straight white males have yeah i look at games like grand theft auto when they introduced cj that was a big problem i don't know how big mm -hmm. of a problem oh there was a minor issue with uh faith in mirror's edge her artwork, yeah, yeah. They, they, mm -hmm. they edit it to make her look more uh, aesthetically pleasing. Right. Which, they, they, I mean, how could you sexualize Faith? I mean, she just runs. That's all she does. You don't even really see her when you play the game. <laughs> right. But, like, that's what they have to do on the artwork of the game. 
they do all these things and they jump through all these hoops to to like it's almost like they're saying listen we know that the majority like a certain subset of people won't be able to relate to this character so let's do something else to make them more appealing to them mm-hmm. not related to them as a person and then you also have the issue where like some people might see you as a woman as having specific traits which is why they think mm-hmm. that they cannot relate to you right and you know i think that's kind of dumb but i think that for people who are in the minority they have an easier time looking at somebody who it isn't them and say like i can relate to you but i think that there's also the whole the male female dynamic men and women is uh <laughs> even more even more difficult for people to comprehend because yeah. even though i'm black i still have male privilege so uh right. i i get to see society through that lens and now you have you have the trans people coming up lgbtq mm-hmm. they're all coming up too they're coming through mm-hmm. and that's making mm-hmm. people even more frustrated so right it's like yes just deal with it man. just deal with it man come on yeah i think too that like i have an issue with like mm, okay i think we, we kind of like segregate in a lot of different ways and like gender, there's certain things that we segregate people by their gender. And then we kind then you get like comedians like, you know, 20 years down the line in their lives being like, men act like this and women act like this. I'm like, do they though? <laughs> do we like move people into these little clusters? And then I, I grew up with a lot of male friends and, and female friends, but I had an older brother who was slightly older than me and he was in nerd culture too. So I, I wanted to be just like my older brother because as little kids do, if you're close in age, I was like, cool. This is my best friend. I want to be just like him. And I hung out with a lot of guys growing up and it wasn't a big deal. My parents never told me I had to hang out with boys or girls. My first friend on my own was a boy just because I got along with him. Second friend was a girl. Third friend was a boy. You know what I mean? Like I didn't care what I was hanging out with. And I think that sometimes people end up unwittingly ending up in like a little boys club or a little girls club for a lot of their life. And then there's kind of a code switching issue there where people learn very coded language. And I I know how to code switch to an extent in a lot of different scenarios because I realized it made people uncomfortable and my natural social skills are that of a baked potato. So I had to like (laughs) learn, learn all of them. (laughs) Like it's all, it's all stuff that I had to educate myself on. So, you know, I might have to code switch to make some dudes more comfortable around me. But I would also have to code switch to make some women more comfortable around me, depending on like how much socialization they got to act a certain way and to kind of conform with a group dynamic that I think was haphazardly created and sometimes maliciously created. And a lot of the things people associate with feminine and masculine, I think, are BS. I mean, I just I find those terms to be unhelpful mm-hmm. in a lot. I understand there's some people that want to use them for different purposes but in general when people say something's feminine or masculine like wh- why why do we have this either or thing like why why would even these traits be clustered together what if we actually are this completely other amalgamation of traits that we can't see because we're trying to make people look like they're feminine or masculine like what if those things are completely bs categories for human behaviors and i get frustrated with the whole dynamics that sometimes people put on to women because they're like, oh, I can't relate to you because you're feminine. I'm like, or maybe feminine traits, if you really break down and list them, doesn't really seem like a person you'd want to be like. 
like maybe that's what that really is. So it's not about women. It's, it's the traits that you think we have. They're really not so great traits compared to if you look at masculine, which sounds more like a, a self-actualized person with anger management issues. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely get that because I, a friend of mine owns this company, shout out to Sorbet Jungle, and she makes all this like really cute stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, a lot of like pastel colors and stuff like that. And I'll wear her stuff because I want people to see her stuff. And I want to support my friend. So I go in with a pink shirt with like a cartoon bat on it. And he's like eating ice cream. And mm-hmm. I'm in live in Afghanistan on a military base. And people look at me like, what is that? And I'm like, this pink shirt with a bat on <laughs> it. Her name's Lila the Lolita Bat. And like, why are you wearing that? I'm like, because it's, it's a cool shirt. And my friend made it. She's super talented. Oh, does it come in green or blue? I'm like, no, it's just pink. And <laughs> I've had people tell me, like, oh, you're never going to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, are you going to expect to meet women and acting like that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have no problem meeting women. Like, just there's nothing to do with my my, my shirt. Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. a shirt. Right. But, it, yeah. you, you know, I never thought of it the way you just said it. It's because they see that and they think that that's something negative. When really it's just yeah. something that's completely totally harmless like come on yeah it's okay it's a pink shirt (laughs) like it's okay to okay guys it's okay to have emotions and to talk about your problems it's okay to wear whatever you want and have your own style of just Mm -hmm. make sure that you have a job and you're confident and you enjoy what you do and you're a decent person and you should be good to go you should be right and anybody that will judge you based on that well you know they don't need to be around the other thing is exactly in the community, you know, male dominated. Even though it's they say it's about fifty-fifty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, men and women in the community. Do you feel pushback? Like, do you feel the gatekeeping? Do you see that? Have you experienced that? Do people ever? I always ask this to my friends who are women. Like, have you ever experienced the whole like you go into a a game store or a comic book store or something, and there you get you get grilled? Like, do you even know what that is? Kind of deal, you know? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I I'm I've had people go after me. This is the thing where like I've okay, so I've been involved in some form of geek culture my entire life, um, and a lot of it was based around computer games, and then I got into comic books, and so. There's people that try to throw shade at me. I'm like, I've been interested in this longer than you've been alive. Like, because it's been like, you know, three and four years old. I had a, I had a poster from a game with this woman riding a griffin above my, a griffin, griffith, griffin. Yeah. Griffin, above yeah. my bed. Yeah. And, and that's, the, I saw this picture of this woman riding a griffin, you know, from when I was an infant. You know, I'm looking up at this thing. I'm like, cool. That's an adult woman. I'm going to ride a griffin. I'm going to be a superhero. Got it. Clear. Click watching like Wonder Woman after school, you know, like I, when people try to take ownership over your childhood, it's like, wow, is that a presumptuous thing? Or, or even, yeah, people looking at like the way I might dress. Cause I, I don't dress particularly nerdy, but I don't dress high fashion. I just dress like me mm-hmm. and people looking at you and being like, you're a girl and you're not dressed the way we think you should be. So we're going to give you a hard time. We're going to be kind of patronizing to you and a little bit rude and a little bit like inquisitive about what you're even doing here. That has definitely happened. And it's weird. And I think that a lot of times, like I joined an anime club when I was in college and I didn't look right for that either. Cause I was a ballet dancer. So then I didn't feel accepted there too. And I'm like, well, this is goofy. Like 
if you're gonna have these narrow confines, even if you're gonna be like a nerdy girl, you have to be this kind of nerdy girl. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. I literally just lived this. You can't tell me that my whole childhood wasn't true. Like I and I'm not somebody that I think right right now I'm the geekiest person I've been in my life. I had periods of my life where I was much ner- nerdier, quote unquote, or my interests were more nerdy than they are right now because I I've definitely spent a lot of time with ballet which is its own subculture, but you, people are complex and you don't have to fit a specific stereotype to be involved in nerd culture. Like nobody can take away what you are interested in. Like if you're interested in it, you can, and someone can get into nerd culture later on. There's also that thing where you have to be involved like an OG since forever you don't count, or you have to be obsessed with it your entire life in the same amount. You have to, it's like a weird status game. And I think that that in general gets very weird very quickly when you realize people are judging you for that. It's like, come on, man. Like this nerd culture is supposed to at some level not be about being judged because like that's part of what it's supposed to be like a refuge for people that get picked on too, right? Yeah. So when people are picking on you within nerd culture, like this is just, this is our, we have no self-awareness. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it gets pretty terrible. The thing for me being in the geek culture as a cosplayer being black or whatever is like, oh man, like big thing right now is black facing and cosplay and what that means and all that. And like you were saying before, people will question you as to why mm-hmm. you're there. And it makes you feel like, do I even really belong here? Cause people don't really mm-hmm. seem to want me here. And it's strange because like, I mean, for me, I recently did a few cosplays. I did Flint Cole from Ruby and I did Kaname Tosin from Bleach. I've never watched mm-hmm. either of those shows. Mm-hmm. everybody who saw me dressed up as that assumed that I did because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm dressed up as a character and I would tell them, like, I've never actually seen these shows. I'm like, oh, well, you look really great, blah, blah, blah. I've heard and have heard guys talk about women like they'll see a woman in a really awesome costume. It's like, I bet she doesn't even, you know, I bet she yeah. doesn't even watch that show or I bet she doesn't even play games. She's just like, right. she just wants to dress sexy. And I'll say... Well, that's what the character looks like. Like, you can't get mad right. at a power girl for having a boob window. Like, exactly. Because that's how she's drawn. You can't get mad right. at that Monster mm-hmm. Hunter Warrior for wearing skimpy armor, because that's what her armor looks like. And to be honest, I'd rather see, like, real women wearing those costumes. First of all, they are put in those costumes, but, like, the issue that I have a lot of times is with how women are represented is they just draw them, like, those homunculus, creepy, giant boob monsters. And if you see, like, a real human woman, walking around in those costumes like i'd rather see that and mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it's sexy in the same way i honestly think that well sex i don't think sex this is another thing that's going to come from ballet i don't think sexiness is so much in what you're wearing as what you're doing mm-hmm. like let's say somebody's wearing the sexiest costume ever and they're doing the carlton dance like is that sexy anymore <laughs> probably not it probably looks freaking ridiculous and like you know, in ballet, you're wearing a leotard and tights and like it's not particularly sexy, especially like if you're doing certain things that can be beautiful. But it's it, sexy usually isn't what is getting described there because the movements you're doing aren't sexual, like you're not humping each other. Like, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, I think sexy is is something else entirely. So if you have somebody that's kind of standing and and in this limp weird way with their boobs thrust forward and they're kind of looking like they have no brain inside their skull and some like i find that sexy i'm like okay that's weird but i can see why that would be something that's sexual but again if you have that same character doing the carlton dance or like 
just doing something incredibly stupid, it wouldn't be sexy anymore. So an outfit doesn't make something sexy, in my opinion. It's it's a lot more about body language. Yes, yeah, I I could see that as well. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, contradict you there. I think that if a woman who is dressed up as like one of my favorite characters or whatever was doing the Carlton dance, I would find that sexy because. Like, oh, okay, that's Carlton, fair. That's the Carlton dance right there. That's, this Carlton. is a person who's comfortable with who they are, and they are dressed yeah. up as a character I like. I want to go talk to this person. Right. Maybe not the best example. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair no, enough. No, no, I'll no, come no, up no. with a better one. No, I, I completely understand what you're saying. The last part of that I want to ask you is, as a woman in the gaming world, we've talked about you know, how you select your games, being in the community, the gatekeeping that occurs. The other thing that you might face is like, so you go to an event. You go to a lot of events. I saw you at Fanime. I first met you at Fanime. And mm-hmm. these panels that you host, what are some of the the aftermath of like talking to people and you're telling people how you feel about things? Have you had any interesting experiences where people have talked to you afterwards to like, eat? Not maybe not necessarily argue, but like debate with you about it or like, or thank you for the things that you've said who aren't just women. you like men who have come up to you like, oh, oh I yeah. never thought of that way before. Definitely. I've had a lot of guys come up to me too because so I have ADHD and that's factored into my life and like definitely a lot of my panic disorder ADHD stuff goes hand in hand too. So a lot of times when I'm talking about my experiences I might go over some of the social issues I've had and that comes up a lot with anything where you're talking about being in sort of a geek culture because a lot of people in geek culture are introverts i talk about that in my music too about being introvert i have a lot of guys come up to me talking about relating to that Mm -hmm. and that's actually a lot of the feedback i get like 50 percent of it i'd say like a lot of people because they know i'm talking on topic about being a woman a fair enough amount of times that i'll get women coming up to me and talking about that but sometimes i'll be talking about Maybe more or less my experience being like somebody who grew up with some social anxiety or ADHDs and all that stuff happening in my life and how that made me feel about myself and how like my sanctuary was in gaming or in hip hop or in the arts and drawing or comics. And I'll have guys come up to me relating to that and girls coming up to relating to that on different levels. So it's really interesting to me where I'll, I'll tell my story and, and like people will relate to it depending on where they're coming from. They'll hear something different. And what I'm saying. So I get a lot of that feedback, actually. And I've never had anybody, like, come out to me and be like, it's time to debate you. Or, like, I think people kind of save that for online, like, Mm -hmm. real talk. Like, I -hmm. I don't think a lot of people really want to come up and do that in person. Um, I try to have friends from different positions. I found it is harder to be friends with people that have more of a gamer gatey sort of an attitude. Because a lot of times they're just trying to prove that the way they feel about the world is right yes and that can be frustrating because uh-huh. you, you know you're talking and you're like oh you're seeing like a mirage in front of me of who you think i am this is weird yeah <laughs> um so i found uh-huh. that that you know having friends like that is pretty unsuccessful so far not that i'm not trying to stay open-minded to people but uh, a lot of times people only get really confrontational online is my experience hmm. okay now let's get into the less somber portion of the show where we talk about your up and coming future as a person. Yeah. As an interesting. I think yeah. that I think that it's really cool because you are a ballet dancer and you are a rapper mm-hmm. and that is an interesting combination. Mhm. Yeah. Makes sense to me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but of course, as one does. Uh, 
Yeah, I wanted to rap since I was very young, and I didn't think I would be able to do it for some reason. Well, there's a story, but at any rate, I got lucky, and I getting involved in ballet, I, I love the aesthetic of it, and it's a very intense thing to do, but also makes you think about music pretty differently. So that started informing how I thought about lyrics, and, and that actually, I think, helped me to get, like, the opportunities and the break that I got that kind of got me going. I was like, oh, crap, I can really do this. Oh, I've always wanted to do this. So I just kind of changed gears and made that a bigger focus and bigger. It's getting me a bigger and bigger focus of my life. Very cool, very cool. And you were talking about this awesome podcast idea you had. Yeah, so yeah. I'm still working on this. Um, now that I'm on here, I feel the pressure to get it done. And plus, my ankle is in a boot, so I should do it now. So I want to make a podcast that's going to be a freestyle podcast and try to work it so I can have guests on that aren't in my physical location. So I just have to figure out a little extra detail in terms of how I'm going to do the music. Um, and then I'm hoping to Twitch stream that is the goal. I'm setting... My due date, I wanted to get it started last month, but I think it's probably going to be shooting for sometime this month in August. Mm -hmm. Very latest would be September and get that going and just have hopefully a lot of guests from the Bay Area because there's an incredible freestyle scene and underground hip hop scene in San Francisco and Oakland and far out as Sacramento and like the South Bay that's really strong right now. Mm -hmm. So I want to highlight that and bring out a lot of the people that are working in that particular scene right now and give them a larger platform to share what they're doing and just their incredible talent like i'm surrounded by incredibly talented freestylers that's really cool i that think that really would cool. make for an outstanding podcast i would listen to that podcast. thanks i would, I would, I would too. yeah i'd like to learn I subscribe right on. right on yeah check out the elijah bailey show say i gotta say that i gotta i gotta say check out the they elijah bailey show because they shout always shout out. us out and we never produce episodes <laughs> Yeah, we've been so busy. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Are you, I, I've seen you doing a lot of shows. Yes. Even though you're injured. Uh, Kudos to you. Yeah. Thank you. I am working on a couple projects. I'm working on a mixtape with another MC in the Bay Area. What's real? W A C Z R E A L. And he's awesome. So we're working on a mixtape right now. We're gonna put a spin on a bunch of different tracks that we think could have had more justice done to the beats <laughs> mm -hmm. uh so we're gonna do that uh, and then i'm working on another ep i'm doing i'm doing a lot of projects with other people and i've started working on some beats on my own too uh, my first mixtape i just made i produced on my own i'm trying to make kind of my own sound so i, I don't want to rely too much on using other people's beats right now even though my beats may not be the most polished but there's a sound that i'm going for so i'm trying to release a lot of music in the next couple of months that is just experimental doing the best I can to get people aware of what I'm aiming for and then try to build up some more collaborations with that but yeah I'm definitely working on not a lot of collabs with some Bay Area artists right now okay is there anything else that you've uh, been dabbling in trying to what am I? oh I'm working on some music videos too that's the other big thing uh, I was an intern with San Francisco Dance Film Festival shout out to them and I got really geeky about dance film and editing, uh, so I have some experience with that. So I would like to do some things that are incorporating my dance into uh, music videos. Mm -hmm. And that's the big push that it's going to be like, basically, as soon as my ankle's healed, that's really something I'm going to be diving into. So you will be sitting, seeing some video content coming out as well, like for sure, cool. in the next couple of months. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good. 
Awesome, awesome. Have you ever made music for games or anything like that or thought about that? You know what? I have, actually. It was a game that ended up not coming out yet, but uh, maybe one day it will. Uh, but I'm also, I have a, my dude is a mobile game designer, and I've been working a little bit with him now to make some uh, video games, uh, background music and stuff. I love, I love doing that, too. So hopefully I'll get to do more of that in the future. Fantastic. Really awesome. We'll definitely be uh, looking out for that. Yes. yes I'll keep you guys posted on that. Excellent, excellent. Between all the the Zan Zan Green Gables jokes. Um, <laughs> good old Dreaded. Do you have any questions for Jane before we move on to the uh, next segment? Well, I mean, she's already gave us a lot of great information, but I would just uh, want to say, what would be the the biggest current influence on your your music right now? Oh, wow. What'd That's a really good question. That's Dang. a super good question. That makes me feel bad for all the uh, questions I asked. Uh, I'm going to edit this whole next part out. Question of the day. That's competitive of you. Um, <laughs> it's competitive. It's petty. It's competitive. It's competitive. <laughs> oh, so you make funnier jokes than me now. Yeah, you're definitely not going to be in this show at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what... You know, I think I'm not trying to get too political with things, but honestly, I've had a lot of inspiration from the issues with school shootings, to be really honest. Like, that's been influencing my music a lot because I think that emotional pain is something that music is very adept to deal with. And I've often thought, like, when I look online, if I if I was just a dude, a lot of these things that make people, men, feel really paranoid and inadequate would have been targeted exactly at me. But I just happen to be a girl, so they're like, ah, we don't want you in our fold. So I, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of the culture of self-hatred that a lot of men that feel like they can't integrate into our society's field and very young men and also kind of the effect that that has on other people too so i'm really interested in like anger and self-loathing and all that stuff and those themes and how they're interacting with our wider society a lot of that kind of pulls into school shooting for me so i will t- really 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 want to make some more songs about that issue because i i am concerned that where we're at right now as a society isn't really helping people to deal with the frustration and fatigue that being in a constant state of pain and fear and mourning is going to have on people. Cause I had, I lost people when I was really young and it really messes you up. And to watch a lot of young people worried about, and like, even just like the violence in general that we have, just violence is something that's actually been a huge influence on my work. It's kind of a weird answer maybe, but like, I think that's something that's, played a huge role in how I want to contribute as an artist right now is to to talk about that some way. That's heavy, dog. Wow. Okay. That was heavy. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. I was looking for something like, oh, I'm listening to a lot of Con- uh, Kendrick Lamar or something like that. But you know what? That was deep. I appreciate that. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually started reading up a lot on incels uh, a few yeah. months ago because it's like, what is up wow. with these guys? What's up with these guys right now? What are they? Okay, I see. I see what this is. It's such a weird term, right. anyway. It's funny because yeah. uh, a woman is, came up with that term, and it was less harmful. Right. Than she came up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so yeah. that was. This is good. Did you have any other excellent questions there, Dreddy? Ah, uh, nah, man. I shot my shot. 
Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good. So we have the gaming world right now. Um, Dragon Ball Fighters is a really big one. It's coming out. has a, yes. a lot of participants in EVO coming up here soon. Uh, we know that our... our Super esteemed, popular game. Our esteemed companion, uh, D-Pity. He's going to be there. Shout out to D-Pity. Nice funny videos. They'll be doing a little something-something on the side there. Uh, he'll be playing some games. and He's working for Arxes, so I can't wait to see what he comes out there. But, uh... Yeah, Dragon Ball Fighters has really been taken over. We got the new base form of Goku and the base form of Vegeta to play as. So that should be interesting. Right. So that should bring up the Goku count about seven. Yeah, about now, seven so Gokus. That's what we want in all the game. flavors of Gokus. Different, like different. Goku buffet. Yeah, Goku buffet. It's yep. like the Golden Corral. It's the Dragon Ball Corral, where you just get a buffet yep. of Goku, and that's exactly what you want in any game. Uh, Blade yep. Strangers is coming out. They just released new footage, and it has, quote, Isaac from Binding of Isaac and a few other characters. Yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. Blade Strangers does not look like a good game. I'm just going to say that. No, it's not really. Uh, it doesn't look it's good It's just at not all. on my horizon, man. No, it doesn't look no. good at all. I'm probably still going to get it because it's on PC, and I, I support fighting games on PC, and I'll play it. But I don't uh -huh. think it looks good at all. I think that it looks very okay. unpolished. Uh, uh, let me know. Outside of that, it. yeah, I will. Outside of that, Ultra Street Fighter 4 has a side tournament at EVO, so that should be cool. Yeah. Yeah, good I to mean, see that again. Ultra Street Fighter 4 is unlike any other kind of Street Fighter. Yeah. It's got its own thing going, so yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll have its own life like like Third Strike, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Jane, what, have you been playing any games mm. recently? Um, general, not honestly. Okay. In general, well, I was playing Sims a lot, which I'm kind of embarrassed about. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of. It's not like a super gamer type of game. It's kind of. Is it cool though? I don't know. I just make them do stupid things. Yeah, it's fun. I made one named Pure Evil. It's great. Is it? Is that? Are they actually pure evil though? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Cool. She's killing everyone. It's great. All right. That that's that Sims is cool. I respect your Sims life. I do. Yeah. It, I was watching, uh, I can't remember his name, but he does like The Sims, but awful. And I was like, that looks great. So that's why I started playing it because I was watching some streamer guy and he just like, he's got this, oh, what's his name? Jim Pickens or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's got like the worst Sim character ever. Like he has a cult and everything. I was like, that looks like so much fun. And then I got into that from that, <laughs> from cool. watching him torment every Sim that he's ever made. <laughs> it's great. Oh, that was completely unrelated to his Sims and gaming, but I didn't ask you this before. Who's your all-time favorite rapper? Uh, Lauren Hill. Cool, cool. Oh, okay. The Miss Education. Education at Lauren Hill. She made a little comeback a few, a little bit ago. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, is she still? A little bit. She's still on that. Or? She's touring. I think she's still doing kind of like her, you know, her greatest hits. Because she's like 20 years or something from her album at this point. So, okay. you know, she's just chilling. She had like five kids or something. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Maybe, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I love nerdcore rappers. So I'm looking forward. My favorite rapper right now, like, probably E40 is my favorite. Is it really? That's yeah, cool. <laughs> 40. Uh, I like MF Doom as well. 
on the East Coast. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But I'm not one of those MF Doom, MF Doom guys that are like, pff, uppity. Because <laughs> 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 that's a thing in the yeah. culture there. Right on. But I'm yeah. Doom, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, MF Doom as well. I have to say my favorite of all time, kind of, uh, who's got an album dropping soon is Redman. But, you know. Okay. Hey, a, that's a good one. That's a really good to, one, yeah. I tend to be an old head when it comes to these things. I'm an old man. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of it. Oh, I just want to say the other one, like we're talking about like old head things. Uh, Tribe Called Quest and their last album was Genius. I don't know if wow. you guys got that. Mm. All right, gonna have to scope it. I'm waiting for that new yeah, outcast to come out. I will wait. Until <laughs> oh, hold my breath. Maybe it'll come out. The Dungeon Family actually released a collaboration album. So that's. But that was years and years ago, I guess. My coworker was playing it for me. It sounds really good. Nerdcore-wise, though, you have a favorite Nerdcore rapper besides yourself? Um, You know, I really like Lex, the Lexicon artist, a lot. She's okay. pretty dope. Um, and she's also, like, Bay Area, so shout-out to that. I'm trying to think who I'm really, really... I mean, MC Chris, I think everybody... He's kind of like an old standard mm-hmm. of that. But I got, I mean, he's funny. I, I like people that are funny and are able to pull humor into their lyrics. So I, I really liked his style quite a bit. And I mean, I know he's still active, but you know, mm-hmm. he's got some, some things that I'm like, I think are iconic for the genre. Oh, cool. I, I like IQ and I like Mega Ren a lot. They're both. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to IQ. Hopefully he'll come to Japan with me here coming up. And speaking of which, got some more events coming up here. Uh, I have Tokyo Game Show, and New York Comic Con, and I have London Comic Con are my next events. And of course, we'll be doing Friend Con, which will be amazing. Oh, you know it. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. Events are coming. Can't wait to go see all the things, do all the things in all the different countries. But right now, I'm just holding it down here in the stand. Speaking of the sand, out here, I just uh, did a little volunteer work in the USO the other day. I've uh, put in an hour volunteer time. Total of two hours, a couple weeks I've been back, or two or three weeks or whatever, because I've been working. But I try to get over there, support the USO, do a lot of great things for the troops. Overseas, across the world, airports, bases, all over. And it's just great to see their smiling faces. You know, the soldiers happy to play pool watch movies and play games and use the phone to call home because that's important out here uh, to be able to do that you know so shout out to the USO I'll always be there always shout out to the USO always shout out to the USO Uh, no Smash Brothers Mm -hmm. tournament this month unfortunately I won't be able to host that Ah. but maybe I'll try to throw one together on the side but yeah uh, any other any other topics either of you would like to touch on I think we've given the people what they want Okay. I think we've given them plenty. Okay, but, good. Jane, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks. Thank you for dropping all of this knowledge and information. Yes, thank yeah, you Yeah, I hope much. it was coherent. It was. It yeah. was. I, I ramble uh, a little bit, just if anyone hasn't noticed uh, that. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's all good. Yeah, so it's been an excellent show. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I'll try to get it out as soon as thank possible. You. And, um... Things have been great. Should I today. say like my 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 Instagram stuff yeah, or whatever? Should, I don't know. You should. Be, okay. Yeah, that makes me right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, All right. Put so my Instagram. But. Yeah, I have I have a music one that's like Jane the Message, but you can just follow my regular Instagram because I update it better. So it's N I N J A 
J-A-N-I-E, Ninja Janie at Instagram. My SoundCloud, my music's probably going to be on some other platforms pretty soon because I need to jump on that. But my SoundCloud is Jane the Message with, I think there's a dash in between Jane dash the dash message. Um, and yeah, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, I think I even have a Patreon, which I got to hop on. And that show that I'm working on and developing, there'll be announcements on my Instagram and my Facebook. I'll probably even announce it on my SoundCloud when that gets popping. Cool, cool, cool. We will put all this information in the description as well. I'll make sure that you get your proper shout-outs. Thank you for reminding me of that. that was, that was yeah, no. But, Thank uh, you. Yeah. Um, definitely follow Jane. Uh, you get to see Hi. all of her awesome things on Instagram where she talks about herself, her life, posts stuff from shows, her stories. She has shows and stories. And Go out and see her if you're in the Bay Area. If you're out there on the West Coast of the United States of America. And, you know, occasionally, you know, when you when you get better, when you heal up, you'll get to see her dancing on her toes. And that's cool, too. Exactly. That, there you go. Two T's and all. Yeah, that's really... That seems strenuous to me. To this day, it seems strenuous. I know you say that it's easier than it looks, but that's also because you're, you're training a lot, so... Yeah, no. It's it. I'm, it's easier than it looks, and it's harder than it looks. It's a, it's a quagmire. <sighs> You keep dancing, you keep rapping, you keep doing you, and we will keep doing us. So let's close out the show as we generally do, Dreaded, if you would like oh, to do yes. the honors. I, I would like to do the honors. Do the honors. Until the next challenge. Ah. <laughs> That's the ending. Y'all better tone in to your hero. All I'm missing is my cake. Call me 2K, could the game seem easy like a free throw? I'm something like a boss fight or something. Start building up a special meeting cause you need a miracle of miracles. Drivers ask me for a greatest hit, so here you go. They say it ain't a game.